Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. You know, my friends, we talk a lot on this podcast about getting third-party recognition as one of the secrets to great PR. That can be done by getting a great story on TV, the radio, online, uh, the newspaper, or how about this, getting an award. That's why I want to talk to you really briefly and ask you if you consider nominating PR After Hours for Best Business Podcast on the Crowd Ultra Podcast Awards. It's free, easy to do, no registration required. You just go to the link in the show notes, crowdultra.com. You'll see it. Put the link in to PR After Hours, which is prafterhours.com. Explain what the show is about in a sentence or two, and then another sentence or two about why you think it deserves an award. You know what's great about getting an award nomination is you get to tell people about it, and that kind of third-party recognition will help us build the brand and get more listeners, and that means, of course, more shows, more guests, more fun for everybody. So again, please check the show notes for the link. I'd appreciate your vote for PR After Hours as Best Business Podcast at the Crowd Ultra Podcast Awards. November 1, 2022 is your deadline, so time is of the essence. Please, if you don't mind, take a minute or two and go nominate PR After Hours. Thanks so much. If you're a regular listener to PR After Hours, you know that recently I shook it up a little bit. After running my business for 12 years, I think I was running myself into the ground. So I took a sabbatical and I worked for somebody else for nine months. And more on that later. But that's why when I saw some information about our guest today, I th- I thought this guy could probably relate, might even have a similar story about needing to shake things up um, to be more efficient or just find out what are you really in this career journey for. And I'm very, very excited uh, to welcome to the show Alex Moses. And I'm not even going to do a big intro with Alex. I think Alex will speak for himself. But Alex, from one Alex to another, Welcome to the virtual lounge. Glad to be here. So you reached out to me on LinkedIn and you were talking about how you're in the business of helping people, uh, ostensibly like myself, um, who maybe are feeling like they're spinning their wheels, right? Um, try to help people figure out ways to uh, work smarter, not harder. Is that a fair fair start to this? To some degree, more like a business people. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the guy on the street, you know, but no, but t- tell us a little bit about your journey and, and, and how you arrived at what you do, if you would. Uh, so I've been in business pretty much since I was born. My first real business introduction to a business was when I was 17. As you probably picked up from my accent, I was born in Ukraine. And I was a refugee at age of 17 from the war. How crazy is that? Hmm. They're still yeah. in the war. Right. 40 years later. So I was a refugee from the war and I ended up in Italy. So I have no way of generating income. I didn't speak Italian. I didn't have any legal paperwork. So I had to figure out to do something. So I went to start washing windows because that's the only thing I could think of because I saw somebody else was washing windows. Okay, I can do that. So I started washing windows and I go in the store and ask for the money. Some people will give me money. Some people will hit me with a stick. <laughs> 
but I start kind of generating enough money to pay, you know, for my food and stuff and not to like be hungry. So there was another guy who saw what I was doing. He was wondering, you know, how you making money? I'm just go wash windows. That's what I do. So he said, okay, but I cannot wash windows. I'll go with you. If you ask for the money, I'll wash a window. I cannot just go and beg for the money and say, okay, I'll do that for you. So long story short, you know, within a month, I had 30 people working for me. Wow. <laughs> and I'm still 17 years old, still speak no Italian, have no legal paperwork. <laughs> but the whole concept, what it taught me is not that I'm a good salesperson or I'm a good businessman. It's that the people are always willing to pay for something they're not willing to do. In that case, just go and ask for money. So how long did uh, did that last? How long were you washing uh, windows? I was in Italy for eight months. Then I pretty much left. The business was still there. So mm. The guy, he, the first guy that I was working with, he pretty much took over after I left. Where'd you go? USA. What was the thought? Uh, you uh, hopefully made a little bit of a nest egg washing windows and doing those things. So what was the plan when you came to USA? I was still 17 years old. So to become a millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> to become the richest as soon as possible yeah yeah buy well, myself I, one of those 20 million dollar homes and drive ferrari and all that stuff oh just the typical american dream there yeah, you go that's it yeah, yeah I, I think it's interesting i've spoken to a lot of folks who uh including somebody who you somewhat remind me of who kind of had a similar journey he kind of actually went to italy and then he came here and that was the plan and i i think that this the, the american uh fable of streets paved with gold you know but but to be fair to the united states it, there is an opportunity here if you're willing to work for it there's always is i talk to people every day and i help them to turn around their businesses on a daily basis most people have like a shortage of vision how they see the business is supposed to be they don't understand how the businesses operate even they can be in the business for 50 years, it doesn't mean anything. Right. Sometimes I talk to people who's got 20, 30, 40 years experience in business. Actually, I just got a new client today. She's been in business like for 32 years. Yeah. And then when we had a quick discussion before she decided to hire me, what she needs to improve. And she was like, I never thought of it this way. Saying, okay, it's <laughs> it's common sense to me. Well, I think people are too close to it sometimes. And uh, what I do, I'm a, I'm a public relations and marketing consultant, and it's really amazing to me still after all these years of doing this, not only for myself, but in general, my career the past 30 plus years, is that when I go in and look at things from my perspective, it's generally completely different than the perception of the client. Because as I said earlier, I think that I think they're so close to it. And then you bring an eye that's like that has no skin in the game here. I'm not you know, all I'm doing is saying, okay, you're doing this, this, and this, but have you thought about this? And why are you doing that? Is that kind of your approach? I always use the model of Steve Jobs because most people don't understand what the Steve Jobs did with the Apple and how much value he actually brought to the Apple. And everybody thought after Steve Jobs' death, the Apple will pretty much go out of business. Yeah. So here's the reality. When Steve Jobs was CEO at Apple, they were struggling to make profits. After his death, they have grown five times 
and now number one profitable company in the world. Right. And that's not thanks to Steve Jobs. It's thanks to Tim Cook. Right. So people think that they're not replaceable in a business. Which is obviously... They're Steve Jobs of Apple. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's so many things about Steve Jobs I would not want to replicate. You know, I don't have that ability anyway. I don't have his whatever... In my opinion, he was a marketing genius. I don't know that he was... Uh, all that brilliant as a, as you say i think you're saying is uh, as a manager maybe not but as a marketing genius absolutely um but i think that's the thing i think you're making a point there that or at least i'm inferring that you're thinking that a lot of people think oh i'm you know i'm the steve jobs of selling insurance i'm the steve jobs of you know running a dime store you know and it's 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 probably a poor uh poor business model to try to adopt yeah most people think that they're not replaceable if they're going to walk away from a business it's over that's it the whole business is going to collapse right which is in my experience it's usually vice versa (laughs) usually the business is doing a lot better when the person who thinks the business (laughs) depends on him or her is there because they're creating too much stress for themselves and the team Mm. It's true. And chances are they're actually doing more bad than good. Well, tell me about who you normally work with. What is there a certain size of company that's your sweet spot, or do you work with all sizes of companies? Right now, I'm focusing on the marketing agencies, digital marketing agencies, because there's a so easy to scale. Mm. And they're only really doing the businesses the way they're supposed to do. So I can bring more volume into the business. Right. Because their model is to go and look for more and more and more new clients instead of take care of their existing clients and grow their business so their revenue will grow. You know, in my because experience, I don't know how. I'm sorry. Right. No, quite. A, I was just <clears> going to say, in my experience with my agency, though, uh, I started out solopreneur, then I worked my way up to six people on salary. And then I realized I was spending all day working 60 hour, 70 hour weeks just to pay them. I couldn't quite scale properly. I couldn't right-size the business where I wasn't killing myself. Um, So that went to a point where I went back to basically solopreneur, but I had a a galaxy of contractors I could pull in as needed. And that's worked better for me. But as I mentioned in the intro, uh, uh, a couple of years ago when COVID hit, it wiped me out as far as clients. Clients just pulled back. And I think I just lost, uh, lost faith in the business and in myself. And I went and worked for someone else the past nine months. And I'll tell you, I don't want to do that again. Because I think, dude, I think I I just think that uh, I have been institutionalized by being deinstitutionalized. I don't know if I could necessarily work for the man again. So I'm back to trying to figure out what's the right scale to get, get my business back up to. What's going to work for me where I'm not killing myself, but also making a comfortable living? I like agencies. I think the agencies are have more potential that they use what they're doing wrong it's pretty much every single one i looked at right now that's where i see where they can benefit from me the most they do not know how to build their customers hmm. they're focusing on acquiring new customers instead of building business for their existing customers yeah. because most of them operate on like 10 percent over the marketing expense so the bigger your customer is the more marketing expense they're going to have, the more money you're going to make. Right. 
So you can have one good customer that will pay for a hundred bad customers. Right. But what if you have two, three, four, five, half a dozen good ones? You work 10 times less while generating 10 times more. Yeah, I found that it's easy to leave money on the table because you're always chasing the next big shiny object, the next big thing. And and there are uh, one thing I started doing, I had a business coach a few years ago. He was, he was very smart. And he said, Alex, you're leaving so much money on the table. You're not focusing on how to upscale and upsell them on things. He says, you offer this and you do it with this client. And I said, yes. And he says, why aren't you, you do this pretty well, but you're offering it to the other client. Why aren't you cross doing it? Why aren't you offering both clients the full you know, benefit of, of your experience and your, your deal. And I said, well, they just came to me wanting PR. They don't want marketing. He says, how do you know? You know, and I, I, I wonder if that's not the same kind of question you might ask in a, in a different way, perhaps, but you might look at me and say, Alex, you're, this is great client a you're selling them PR consulting. That's great. But have you ever looked at their marketing? I mean, maybe they could use your experience there. I don't know. To some degree, because the whole idea, let's say your customer makes a million dollar profit a year. If you can make them $10 million a year, you make them dependable on you for that income. So right. you will sustain, you will keep them sure. as your customers forever. And you will increase your income while you're doing it all right. the way through. So what if you do it for every customer you have? Yeah. So it's all about increasing your value to, to your customers instead of constantly, you know, cultivating the customer you have rather than trying to cultivate 10 new ones. And as you alluded to earlier, every now and then you're going to get, which I think you said, a bad customer. You're going to get a customer who, and frequently for me, in my experience, it's been the ones who pay the least who demand the most time. Is that a, is that a truism, Alex? 100%. In every business, <laughs> like in my 30 plus years that I've been in the business, the customers that pay you the least will drive you crazy the most. It will take most of your time. <laughs> Why would you want to do that to yourself? Only God no. knows. No. It, and, you know, you, could, you can see it early on, I think, too. It's, it's often in the, uh, even before you sign them, before onboarding, you can just, I've, I've started to sniff this <laughs> out even in the initial cu first couple of meetings. You can just see it. Um, and I, I try to find ways when I... I don't know if my if my as they say if my spidey sense is tingling i know that maybe maybe there's somebody around the corner who's a little better fit for me but uh do you find that a lot of folks you deal with are terrified of saying no to anybody even if they get a bad feeling about them if they're in desperate positioning because you should never go in business if you're desperate say more say more because you don't want to take the customer that you don't need mm-hmm if you need it, you should not be in the business. You should yeah. go in the business because you want to help people. You should only take the customers that you can help. The people who are needy, you won't be able to help them to the degree that they want to be helped. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit about how you uh, prospect and how you onboard a client. How does it work? What are you? I guess the first thing is you just kind of answer the first part of my question. Who are you looking for? But you just said people who could use your help. But how do you, what's the next move if they hire you? What, what do you do if you don't mind? You don't have to give away your secret sauce, but what's your process in general? There's no secret sauce. Everything I do is very simple. That's the whole idea. People think there's a secret sauce to make a million dollars a month or a billion dollars a year. It's not. It's just hard work doing it the right way. Hmm. 
I do onboarding. So my onboarding is like on a first call with my clients. If they decide to hire me, I sit down with them and break down exactly what they do, how they do it, who their clients are, where the clients at, why would they hire you, what will you bring in? And then I ask you a question. How can you increase the value 10 times? Hmm. Hmm. How about 100 times? That's where it becomes interesting. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, your value keep going up and up and up and up. And you, your level of confidence that you can help those people mm -hmm. or what you're charging goes through the roof. Right. So you make yourself indispensable in that way. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say to Alex Moses, well, thanks, man. It's It's been great. I just, you know, you just 10x to me, but what the potential is to 100x, maybe I ought to keep you around. It's it's the way you do things because people only work with you if they depend on you, no matter how much they like you. All this like and trust, it's good in the beginning. Yeah. They're only going to keep you around if they actually depend on you. So if you make yourself of value to them through a long time, they're going to yeah. keep you as long as you're valuable to them. Yeah. If they made a billion dollars, they don't need you anymore. They're going to drop you. Yeah. So as long as you position yourself between you and what they want, it's never going to be a problem. This is JP Morgan's story. Have you heard of JP Morgan's story? Absolutely. With father and son? Yeah. Tell me more. Okay. So the JP Morgan's father, and most people don't know, actually was a banker. He was a very successful banker. So JP Morgan actually was born into the money. He didn't make it himself. His father was already a banker. So when he was 13 years old, what JP Morgan did senior, he did actually put million dollars on the table. Back then, million dollars was like a billion dollars today. Yeah, yeah. And he stepped in front of it, this table and he told his son, you know what makes me powerful is me between this money. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So once you understand that your value in between of what they want to achieve, they're going to be working with you. The moment they, you disappear, they can just walk to the table and take the money. That's a great point. Oh my gosh. What a great story. And obviously he took the lesson to heart. He did okay. <laughs> <laughs> his problem was he's financed the wrong guy that most people do not know the end of J.P. Morgan. What's the end? Now you've got my, uh, you got. Oh, my... you didn't know what happened to J.P. Morgan. I thought he, you know, he did okay. Yeah, extremely wealthy and lived a long life. What what happened to him? Yeah, in forties he actually financed um, the country called Germany, and the person in charge was Hitler. Oh my God! He really? was the number one financier. Really? He didn't expect him to go to war against the USA at that time. So did, but he, the one who financed the Germany and the Nazi regime. Okay. Um, note to self, read <laughs> history more closely, Alex. T talking to this Alex, not you, Alex. Oh, my God. Wow. Now I, I've got to go read that. Yeah. Really great. Well, as we're kind of circling back here. So, again, you've said who you like to work with, digital marketing agencies. You believe those are the most easily scalable, and I don't disagree with you. I, I know for a fact, if I were to put my mind to this and go back to working a little harder than I did before, I think I could scale up again. 
although I'm getting to a point, I, I don't know, you know, I'm in my mid fifties and I just don't know physically, we were talking offline, you know, I'm going back to the gym literally after a month after COVID recovering, I've been recovering from COVID and it's kickboxing and it's going to kick my rear end. I know this, I'm going to be hurting later and I'm dreading it, but I know I need it, which is probably the way you feel about most agencies. They're probably going to get their butt kicked by you in those first few meetings, but they need it. Is that how you think about a lot of them? <laughs> To some degree, yeah, to some degree. But the reason I like agencies is because people need help. Yeah. Not just the agency, but their customers. Yeah. Because my most value is going to be not actually helping the agency because it's just changing their model. I can do that in, you know, in a month or two. Mm -hmm. But building their client businesses, that's where the money is. And it's going to be very hard to replace somebody with my level of expertise and experience. Gotcha. Well, tell us, if people want to learn more, where do they find you? How do they get to know Alex Moses? I think the easiest way is using LinkedIn. I okay. think that's how we met. Yeah, it is. And that link will be in the show notes uh, for Alex in the show notes. Check it out. And also at PRAfterHours.com. Well, Alex, uh, any final messages you'd like to leave for folks before we wrap up this here visit? Here's the advice I give people since I consider myself an expert in sales. Most people don't understand what sales are. The sales is helping people, not convincing people. So the more people you're going to help, the more services you're going to sell and the products you're going to sell, the better condition you're going to be and your family is going to be. Yep. So it's go true. help people. It's true. Go help people. You know, and if, if But if when you are selling, when you are in that conversation, I have found that if you cannot demonstrate an outcome, they're not going to hire you. They have to see, I always view this, I always ask myself, and I ask potential clients one question, Alex. I say, you know, um, what do they need? What can I do to help them? Like you said, what what is their major thing? Can, can I help them with their major problem? Or what is their problem? That sounds a little negative, like what's your problem? But, but what is your problem? Discern what their problem is. And if you can provide an answer, you can solve that problem. They're going to hire you probably. Yeah, the people hire you to solve a problem. If they have no problem, why would they? You know, what are you going well, to help them with? You're there to help them. Well, Alex, it's obvious they hire me for my good looks and charm. And then maybe if there's a problem, I mean, he's laughing, folks. Don't worry. Alex, it's been interesting speaking with you. I'll leave it here. But folks, if you want to learn more about Alex Moses and ways he can help you with your problems, uh, visit him on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes. Alex, thanks again for joining us here in the virtual lounge. It was fun to be here. You know what that means. It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit PRAfterHours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.